So, um, I need a couple of volunteers, but I need Dan to come up here first. And then I need five other volunteers. Dan didn't know I was going to ask him to do this. <laughs> I need five other volunteers. Don't be shy, because I'll just call you out. All right, Ben, come on up, brother. Um, let's see. Sean's coming up. Coming up, just coming up. Coming up. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Who else here? Yeah, come, come on up. All right, so one, two, three, four. Oh, we need one more. One more. All right, don't make me pick you. You don't want to be picked. Whoever's looking down. Yeah, yeah, who's looking down? Who doesn't want to be picked? All right, one more. Just need a volunteer. Just participate here. Okay, let's see here. Who? No, I, I need Don back there. Um... <laughs> Let's see, uh, Ryan. All right, here we go. So I didn't want to have to pick. All right, don't want to make you do anything here. So um, a reason I made Dan come up here is because he runs this game on Friday nights at fifth quarter. By the way, we had uh, 191 students show up to fifth quarter. Um, if you include just kind of a really cool thing here, uh, if you include like the entirety of the middle school and the high school, Talmadge has anywhere from about 1,000 to 1,100 kids in it. Uh, and so over the past four weeks or five weeks, if you just count the individuals that have come, we've had a roughly, I think, just over 500 individuals come to our church. So that, that means that about half of the high school and middle school has been in the doors of our church this fall, which is pretty cool to think about. So um, just shout out to the end zone team and everybody helps out with that. Um, but here's, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I need you to stand on the gold dots there. I know you're going to have to get a little close. Um, with one another. But this game is called Beat the Clock. Like I said, Dan runs it during end zone. Yeah, now you've got to play it. Okay, we've got, <laughs> yeah, now you've got to play it. Um, and so here's how Beat the Clock works. Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, so what will happen here is where you see the Beat the Clock uh, space, a subject will come up. Example, pets. Pets will come up. And Retha then we'll have to name a type of pet. Once she names a pet, I will click the buzzer, and then it'll be Dan's turn to name a pet, and then Maddie, and so forth. They get points for how quick they name the pet. There's a clock that runs during this. Eventually, the clock runs out. We're on 20 seconds here, so you have 20 seconds to go through. When the clock hits 20 seconds, whoever um, its turn it is, is eliminated. And so the longer you think about a pet, um, the more likely you're going to get eliminated or maybe even just eliminate the person beside you <laughs> here. But if you don't say it quick, you don't get the points that you could get otherwise. And so you all understand how we play this? All right. Are you ready? Okay. Awesome. All right, Pastor Doug, this is our first. Not all of these are Bible questions. So <laughs> <laughs> this is our first category, <laughs> books of the Bible. All right, ready, Doug? No repeats. Yeah, no repeats. Oh, yeah, you can't repeat. Thanks. There we go. Anybody yells yeah. anything from the crowd, you can't use that. Yeah, no, yeah, you can't, can't help them, crowd. All right, are you ready? Okay, Pastor Doug, cue it up. Genesis. Hold on, hold on.
That's all right, Ryan. You are eliminated. You can have a seat. Yeah. That's okay. All right, here we go. Do we start with Ben now? How's that work? Okay, okay. Things that are green. Oh, Maddie, <laughs> you have been eliminated. Uh, you, you didn't beat the clock. All right, good try. There you go. All right, Sean, we will be starting with you, and this category is our NFL teams. By the way, the Bengals play the Browns today. That means somebody is getting their first win. <laughs> go Bengals. Go Bengals. All right. Are you ready, Sean? I'm ready. Go. Or here, go ahead. <laughs> Do we, are we just going to, all right, we'll just wait here. Does everybody stare at Rita? This is a good try, good try, there we go. Next category. Things that are round. Okay, Dan, we're at you, right? Here we go. Okay, Ben, you have 343 points. Sean, you have 280. What are, points have even nothing to do with this game. You just, you're still eliminated. <laughs> Either way. All right, are you ready? Last category here. Pizza toppings. That's all I've been eating for two months. I'm are we on? We're on Sean. Okay, Sean, you're going to start. Pepperoni. Sausage. Green peppers. Bacon. Onions. Uh, green peppers. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, what's that? Uh, Hold onions. on. Okay. Uh, pineapple. Ham. Anchovies. Canadian bacon. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were said American bacon, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you're telling them. Don't tell them. Nah. <laughs> you guys forgot cheese. You could, you could hear everybody whispering cheese. All right, Sean. Good job, Ben. Okay, uh, your prize. I didn't bring a prize. I don't know what I was thinking. Just steal something from Gathering Grounds next week for free. Uh, 
So I, I, the reason we played the game, and I was, I, when I was preparing this message, I remember th- feel, like thinking back to the first time I went to church, because um, many of you know that I, was, I wasn't like, raised in the church, and so I got invited to go to student ministry um, when I was in, in middle school, and I had no idea what to expect because they invited me to like a Wednesday night church, and I didn't know like, people went to church on Wednesday night. And I remember showing up in this room with a bunch of teenagers, and the first thing we did when I showed up is we played a game. The youth minister, he got out like this big, um, this big blow-up thing, and it was, it was shaped almost like a, like a burrito um, or like a hoagie, like a bun or something. And it was blown up, and then he had one person sit on one end and the other person sit on the other end. And what you had to do, you had to lift your entire body like off the ground, and you each on each side had to balance. And the, the, the purpose of the game was actually like to bounce the other person off the balloon. If they hit the ground or anything touched, they were out and you won. It was kind of like a king of the hill type thing. So I show up and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on, but I just thought like, hey, that was cool. Um, and that was a, a lot of fun and, and really got into the game. Um, and sometimes I think when we think about church, we just think about it like as a place like, you, you know, you, you, you can't have you can't have any fun or, or, or nothing like that, right? Like just straight faces. And, and one of the things that um, I, I just want to protect us against is kind of um, answering uh, the same way maybe like this young kid answered when um, he was asked like why he, why he had to be quiet at church by a Sunday school teacher. Um, because the kid told a Sunday school teacher you need to be quiet at church because everybody's sleeping. You know, after the game, uh, they, they didn't, like, they had this, like, Bible study. Uh, and I, I figured, I really, I, I figured that at some point, um, or for some reason, like, the people were nice, and they were friendly, and actually the point of us being there uh, was to actually do this Bible study that they had afterwards. Uh, and I, I continued to attend this student ministry for about a year before I eventually decided, like, hey, I, I want to follow that person that they talk about and that they're talking about in the scriptures, uh, every time I come on Wednesday night and as I started to go on Sunday morning. And I just, you know, long story short, like that kind of, that's kind of what introduced me to church and what introduced me to Christ. And, and maybe you, it's a good idea like right now just to kind of like think back on, you know, how long did it take you to come to Christ? Uh, what types of things did people uh, do with you and for you? What did they put up with? Um, to kind of help move you into a relationship with Christ and uh, to help you come to know Christ. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a youth minister. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it was a college minister. It's, it's, it's maybe different for all of you, but you all have those people in mind and maybe your journey in mind when you came to know Christ. Uh, one of the things that I love about student ministries and as you, as you watch student ministries is that they they are usually patient with people, but they're also missional. Uh, their goal is actually to reach out to our young people because there's this, they just kind of know that our young people probably haven't come to know Christ yet. And then also they, they're being told uh, that most people will come to know Christ before they reach the age of 18. And so what youth ministries will do is they will be very intentional about reaching out to people who don't know Christ. They, they see themselves as missionaries. This morning, as we talk about this man named Paul and his ministry and where he kind of fits in in, in Scripture, uh, one of the things that sticks out to me about Paul and who he is 
is this idea that, that he's a missionary at heart. Like Paul wants people who doesn't know Christ to, to come to know Christ. Um, kind of just to give you an idea of some of the significance of Paul and who he is as we talk about him in the kind of the broader stream of, uh, uh, the broader stream of Scripture here, uh, Paul wrote 13 books to the New Testament. And Paul was like so intent about becoming a missionary that he, int- he, he traveled much of like the Roman Empire uh, to share the gospel. Now, Paul wasn't always like this, though. Uh, in fact, uh, Paul um, hated Christians uh, when we were first introduced to him. When we were first introduced to Paul, we are actually introduced to a scene where a Christian named Stephen is stoned to death for sharing the good news of Jesus with a, a group of uh, Pharisees. And Paul kind of oversees the death of Stephen and the stoning of Stephen, and it almost even enrages Paul more that this person would talk about Jesus in the way that Stephen talks about him. And so what we see is Paul witnesses Stephen's death, and then actually he almost wants to ramp up the persecution. We are told that Paul was going around and he was looking for women and children to drag off in chapter 8 of the book of Acts. By the time we get to chapter 9, um, we are told this about Paul. And by the way, Paul's name uh, was Saul before he became a Christian. And so when we look at chapter 9 of Acts, you're going to see that Paul here is Saul. His name gets changed after he becomes a Christian. So follow me here. I want to show you a little bit of background on Paul. And this is in Acts 9, and I'm going to read through verse, I'm going to start at verse 1. I'm going to end up through, get through verse 4. And here's Paul. It says, but Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples. And so Paul here, he hates, he hates Christians. Disciples are those who are following Jesus. He hates them um, so bad here that he considers them their enemies. This is like, when I, when I think of like breathing murderous threats, I mean, this is like almost snot bubble mad, right? You're, it's just coming out of you. So they're his enemies. And so Paul is breathing murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord. And so he goes to the high priest and asks him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, now the Christians, um, before they were called Christians, the church was just basically those who followed Jesus and who were a part of the church, they were called the way. Uh, they wanted to live out the way of Jesus here. So Paul hates the way. He's trying to look for those who belong to the way, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so what Paul is here is he is a bounty hunter. Uh, Paul is going out and he's looking for Christians to put in jail or potentially kill like Stephen. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, if you keep reading, what you discover is that this voice from heaven here is the voice of the Lord himself. This is Jesus coming and confronting Paul for the work that he is doing here. And I I want you to notice a a few things here in Paul's experience as Jesus himself speaks to Paul. He calls to him and he says, Saul, Saul. Jesus speaks to Saul here, who becomes Paul by name when he encounters him. Like this is, this is very personal when Jesus shows up here in Paul's life. The second thing that Jesus says to him is, and really asks him, he says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Now this is, this is interesting for a number of reasons. One is when Jesus 
here is asking, why are you persecuting me? What Jesus shows here is that Paul's persecution of Christians is persecution of Jesus himself. And, and so for you, you just need to know this, that like, Jesus lives inside of you. He identifies with you. And so when Paul's, Paul is persecuting Christians, he's saying, hey, you're persecuting me. Why are you, why are you doing this? Now, what's even more interesting is why would Jesus show up in Paul's life here? And what's Jesus going to do? Paul is an enemy of Christ. He's persecuting Christ. But for those of you who have read through the Gospels and you know what Jesus says about our enemies, he says to love them, doesn't he? So I find this really interesting that that Jesus shows up to Paul, who's an enemy of him and who's persecuting him, and and, and Jesus is is going to do something very loving in Paul's life. Jesus says to pray for those who persecute you. Right? This is just kind of something personal real quick here. But like, how do you, what do you do with your enemies? Do you just remain angry at them all the time? Uh, do, you, do you just wish they would just die? Do you refuse to talk to them, say their names? When their names come up, is it just anger? Right? Well, Jesus here, he's going to call Paul by name, and here's what He's going to call Paul, who's Saul, by name here, and he's, here's what he's going to do in Saul's life. He's actually going to change Saul to Paul, and Paul is going to be get, become a Christian. Jesus is going to love his enemy here. Now, Paul, long story short, as we kind of fast forward, Paul becomes a Christian, and Paul becomes known as the apostle to the Gentiles. In other words, Paul becomes known as a man who wants to reach those who don't know Jesus, who don't know even the God of the Bible. And so Paul is going to be called um, not just to Israel, to Jerusalem, and to that area, but Paul feels like he's going to be called to the, kind of the rest of the known world, and particularly the Roman Empire, since so much information and news goes out of the Roman Empire. And so Paul feels like if he can reach those in that area, the gospel can continue to spread. People will come to know Jesus throughout the world. Now, Paul believes that this is God's plan. This is why Paul is about this. Uh, Paul believes in Genesis 12 that when God met Abraham and he called Abraham to go and to be a special nation, and when God promised Abraham that God was going to bless Abraham, God not only promised Abraham that he's going to bless him and his people, but God told Abraham this very thing in Genesis 12, that through you all the nations are going to be blessed. All the world is going to be blessed. Paul sees himself as an extension of Genesis 12. When we get to later on, Paul sees this not only Paul sees this as a theme in the Bible, and in Acts 13, Paul has this to say about his ministry in verse 47. He says, For so the Lord commanded us, saying, because people are questioning whether or not they should really go to the world, whether or not they should really be missionaries or just kind of keep to themselves. And Paul says this. Uh, about those who are going to follow the Lord. He says, I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now what Paul is doing here is he's quoting out of the book of Isaiah. This was written about 700 years uh, before Paul speaks these words here. And what Paul is saying is that it is God's plan for us to go and reach those who don't know the Lord. And he's saying God has called me to go do that. Now, here's the truth, church, is that God has called all Christians to go do this. Like, you are a part of God's plan. And God still calls people by name for special purposes and for special tasks 
and into ministry. Now, there may be people in this room even who have felt a call by God to go into ministry. Maybe you know it because God has been calling you by name and you just haven't answered yet. And so for some of you, that may look like in your future, like God has called you to pastoral ministry. Maybe God has called you to the mission field. God still calls like that, just like he called Paul. Most of you, however, are not going to be called in that way to full-time ministry, whether it's a pastorate or a missionary, but all of you are called to ministry. All of you are called to share the gospel in your, the places that you work, uh, with your family members, with your friends, with your neighbors, and believe it or not, even with your enemies. Here. Know, who, who is God calling you to and what is he got God calling you to? So Paul believes that this is his mission and so he's out traveling the world in the book of Acts and he gets to this place um, called Athens and he's hanging out in Athens and he's waiting for some friends to come and um, I'm about to, you're about to kind of find out what happens but when we think of Athens we think of a place here in the Roman Empire that's very culturally diverse not only are they culturally diverse but they have a lot of diversity of thought here and so um, I don't know about you but like this kind of probably just describes the United States uh, to a good bit right we value diversity we value diversity of thought um, and I want to show you here, how Paul engages with people and shares the gospel in a place and in a culture that's like that, and some things that I believe that we need to cultivate and kind of have so that we're ready um, and desire to share the gospel as well, desire to share Jesus with other people as well. And the first thing that Paul has when he goes to a place like Athens or wherever Paul is at is he's got these eyes to see. He's got eyes to see. Uh, And Acts 13, verse, uh, excuse me, 17, um, verse 17, and we're going to end up going through verse 34 here. What we see is that Paul, while Paul is in Athens, was waiting for them, he's waiting for his friends to come to him as, in Athens as other missionaries, his spirit was provoked in, within him as he saw the city that was full of idols. And so as Paul looks around and he's walking around Athens, what he sees is he sees a bunch of people who are worshiping um, and <laughs> who are giving their lives to basically kind of everything but God here. And what it says is that as Paul sees all of this, like his spirit is provoked. He looks around and he just decides, like, I've got to do something. Like, I, I've, got to say, I've got to say something here, right? Now, when you think about this idea that you are called, when you look around or there are certain people that you come into contact with, right? Do you ever, like, do you, are, are you able to see, like, do you have, like... I, I've got to in it. Like, I am compelled to share Jesus with this person. Uh, Paul is provoked to. And and if you're just saying, like, no to that right now, um, and if you're a follower of Jesus, like, that's something I think you need to pray for. Uh, Because this is something that God has called us all to. He continues here. Um... And the second thing I just want us to see here is that as we continue, what Paul does is that he has the faith to speak as he's provoked. Like, he's not just going to stay there and, like, look at a, a, a particular place or a particular person 
and say, okay, I'm provoked to share the gospel, but he has the faith to speak. And I think the faith to, this faith to speak, and maybe I could have put courage to speak here, but I put faith for a reason because God is in the midst of your sharing and of your speaking. Uh, but Paul here is he's going to look at them and he's, he's going to speak. He's not going to stop just by being provoked. Verse 17, it says, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And so this is what Paul, this is how Paul kind of starts, and this is what we're told kind of starts all of it. Paul reasoned here with the people that he was with. Now, some of us don't really have the faith to speak because we think our faith is unreasonable. <laughs> have you ever thought about that? Well, if it's faith, it, it really doesn't make sense. Um, it, there's no reason. Be, that's not true. Uh, your faith is reasonable. Um, if your faith doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you probably just need to rethink a little bit of your faith. Um, that's part of the reason, too, that we're going through this, the story here, that we're trying to see how the Bible fits as a whole. If you look at, at what Paul does here, he, he, he speaks kind of in two different ways. To those in the synagogue, the way Paul would have preached or reasoned with the people is he would have taken them through the Bible because these would have been Bible-believing, Old Testament-believing people. And so when you come across maybe those who used to be Christians and actually have a great respect for the Scriptures, one of the best ways to talk to them about your faith is actually to use the Scriptures. However, there's a second group of people here. There's those in the marketplace and the Epicureans and the Stoics. Now, they may know, they may know a little Scripture, uh, but they're going to depend on their particular worldview and their philosophies. And so it's not that you leave the Bible behind, but rather that you do challenge particular thoughts that you know are true based on your knowledge of Scripture. You can use reason. You don't need to be afraid of the sciences. You don't need to be afraid of anything. God has created an ordered world and a reasonable world and the sciences so that we can actually use them to push back a little bit here. It's not unreasonable to be a Christian. He continues here, the story continues, um, and uh, it says, And some, those who are listening to Paul as he's reasoning with the people, said, What does this babbler wish to say? He seems to be preaching foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And so as Paul is sharing Jesus with the people in the synagogue and the people in the marketplace, what we are told here is that the people call him a babbler. In other words, they call him a fool. He doesn't know what he's talking about. If you're going to share Christ with people and you're going to introduce Christ to people, you're just going to have to be thick-skinned. Right? Uh, not everybody is going to like what you have to say. Not everyone is going to believe what you have to say. Not everybody is going to jump on board. And believe it or not, right, sometimes you're just going to get nervous and things aren't going to come out the way you wish they would have, aren't they? Uh, that, that sometimes happens. Sometimes you're going to sound like you're babbling a little bit, maybe. But don't stop. Um, don't stop talking to people about Jesus and the resurrection. In fact, you have to, right? You have to. Uh, some of you may know of a guy named Penn Juliet. Penn Juliet, he is a, he's, um, an atheist evangelical, if you can say those two words. Um, what he tries to do is he wants to convert people to atheism. And uh, he's not a big fan of Christians, but he did have this to say about them a couple years back, and it went kind of viral on YouTube. Um, what, he, what he said is that for a Christian not to share their faith with me, uh, they would have to hate me. 
Those were, were his comments. He, he says, as, as much as I don't believe in what they believe in, and that I believe that the world would be a better place if there were no talk of God or religion or anything like that, if Christians who are sincerely Christians did not share Jesus with me, they must hate me because of the implications of believing in Christ. Right? You see, Paul is preaching Jesus and the resurrection here. He, he, he's saying the only way to receive eternal life is to know Jesus. And he's just not going to give up on that because somebody thinks he's a babbler or somebody thinks he's weird or somebody thinks he doesn't know what he's talking about. The story continues like this. It says, <laughs> it says, and they wanted to hear Jesus. So, so get this. Like, wait a second. He's a babbler. He's a fool. But they still want to hear about Jesus? Like, just like Penn, <laughs> people do want to hear People want to hear what you have to say. People want to hear about Jesus. So they're going to invite him here to speak. So they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ear. We wish, we knew, we wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Now the Areopagus is sits up on a hill and uh, philosophers and Athenians would go there and basically um, they would discuss philosophies, moral life, and religion. It was kind of a hub of all of it. And um, it kind of navigated their religious life and morality within Athens. And Paul, although he just gets called a fool, is now invited to come share because the people actually want to hear them out. Uh, what's interesting here is that this is really just part of the human condition. Right? We want to hear people out. Some of us do, right? Like, especially if it's new. Do you hear that? Like, they this is new to them. Uh, so uh, people are naturally curious. If they don't know about Jesus, uh, they, they want to hear what you have to say about them. Because people are naturally, let me, let me show you how people are naturally curious. Uh, people like learning about stuff new. So one of the things they'll tell you sometimes in, in seminary or when you give a speech, like tell people things they don't know. And so I wrote down some fun facts here, since you're curious by nature, um, that may get your attention at least for a few more seconds. Um, so did you know that banging your head against the wall burns 150 calories an hour? When hippos are upset, their sweat turns red. If you lift a kangaroo by the tail, it can't hop. Billy goats urinate on their own heads to smell more attractive to females. That's why I never wore deodorant until we got married. <laughs> my wife likes my musk. Um, the average person spends six, or six months of their life stopped at a red light. The people looked at uh, Paul and they said, hey, you bring some strange things to us. I, I mean... I can only imagine like Paul showing up and saying, hey, did you know that this guy Jesus, that he rose from the dead? And I want, I want to tell you about him. Or, or how about this? How about this? I was a bounty hunter. You know what I did? I went out and I sought to arrest and to persecute Christians. And then Jesus showed up in my life. And 
I decided to follow him, although I hated him. What about your testimony? You ever share that with somebody? You ever share, hey, Jesus has done this in my life. People want to hear about that. People want to know what Christ is doing and what he's done. Share why you find Jesus interesting. Verse 22, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Now this is really interesting. Depending on who you read, um, Paul is either uh, trying to butter the people up or he's trying to offend them uh, with this word very religious. Because if you're a Greek person, the idea of being very religious means that you're pious. It, It means that you're very devoted to whatever you're devoted to. And Paul is saying, hey, I see that you're very religious. But if you're kind of a Jew or would even take it as Paul would normally speak it, it means that you're very superstitious. And so it means you really don't know what you're talking about. You just have to hold up to all of these superstitions here. Now, I point this out to you because when you're sharing your faith, uh, basically just use discernment. Like, you know what people need to hear. Right? Some people, like, you might need to, like, pat on the back. Yeah, I see that you believe something. And it's really nice, but not really. Now let me show you, tell you about Jesus. Or, or some of you, right, you, you just need to confront. Like, hey, you know this is wrong. Right? He continues, For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, and I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. For what therefore you worship as unknown, I proclaim to you. So Paul is going to stand up here. He's saying, I, I see that you've got all these gods. There's this God that you don't know about in here. I, I want to tell you about God. Like, I have something to share with you. Right? And the truth is that we all have something to share. We all have the gospel to share. We all have Jesus to share. And, and I just want you to be confident in this, is that you have the gospel to share with people. Now I'm going to read this section, and it's fairly long, and then I'm going to unpack it. Verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to, lo- to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, that's a fairly long section and it would take me a fairly long time to unpack all of it. So I'm not going to do that, but I do want us to see... uh, the primary implications of what Paul just said. If you would bookend this, Paul says basically two things. He says that God is both creator and he's judge. And as we think about this and as we even share our faith with other people, these are kind of points of contact to talk with people about and to introduce them to the Lord. That God is your creator and that God has created you for relationship with him. In fact, we have all even been put on this earth so that we might seek God. 
What Paul here says is that nobody is a mistake. He says we have all come from God and from one race here. And whoever you're talking to at any moment, right, see that time as kind of a divine appointment with them. Because God has put you with that person in that place where you are in that moment. And if God has given you eyes to see that it's time for you to share Christ with them, right? It's, it's not by mistake that you are doing it. Not only that, it's not by mistake that they are, they are listening to you. The Creator is at work in this when we share our faith. Second thing here, is what Paul, I think, wants us to see and what we should see from this is that as we share that the Creator is present, that He's near, that He wants a relationship with us is, is this, is that religion won't work when it comes to building this relationship. Let me unpack what I mean by that. You see, Paul hated Christians because he wanted religion to work. Uh, Paul was by all, mean, uh, by all means um, kind of a stand-up person. He could keep the law. Uh, he could follow the rules. Um, and he hated those people who said, hey, it's, it's not about that. Rather, it's, it's about following Jesus. It's about believing that Jesus has died for us. It's about receiving him as Savior. Paul hated that. Uh, Paul hated the idea um, that you couldn't earn your relationship with the Lord. So religion kind of sounds like this, right? You've heard it, because when you share people with Christ, Christ with people, um, or when you've talked about Christ with people or asked them if they're a Christian, um, you've, you've heard them say, well, like, I'm a good person. And they believe that, like, being a good person is, is going to help them build a relationship with God, or that being a good person, by the time they get to the end, like everything is just going to turn out fine here. Well, well, Christ and Paul destroys that. He says, this is just not how, it's not how it works, right? So ask this question. Next, next time somebody asks or tells you, well, I'm a good person, right? It's, it's all going to work out in the end. That's how I, I know the Lord. Well, how good is good enough? Ask them that. If you're a good person, like how good do the rest of us have to be to be good enough? How good do you have to be to be good enough to like live up to the standard that God is going to hold us to as judge? Like do you have to be Mother Teresa good? Or do you have to be like Ruby Myers good who just went and spent a weekend with our prisoners, with Retha? And by the way, Ruby was telling me before we started that a lady came up to her at the end of the weekend this past week and said, I just met somebody I'd never met before. And Ruby asked her who, and she said, Jesus, right? Do you have to be that good? Do you have to be Jim and Luana good who run the food pantry? Uh, do you have to be your grandma good? Like, like where's, where's the stand, like, where do you, where's the cutoff at? Or do you just not have to be like Hitler bad, Right? Like, as long as, you're, as long as you're better than Hitler, like, you're good. Like, you're walking with the Lord. Like, if there is a day of judgment, like, you're, you're in. And then it'll, it'll probably maybe even go like this. Like, 
well, well, I just do my best. You ever had anybody say that to you? Ask them, have you really? have Have you really done your best? That must be exhausting. Or you're the first person I've ever met that ha- their whole life like has done their best. Because I tell you what, like I mess up all the time. Eh. I don't know if I've ever done my best. Eh. Well, nobody's perfect. Let me tell you about Jesus. Right? I know somebody who is perfect. It's Jesus. Jesus was perfect. This is who we're given in the scriptures. This is who Paul is talking to people about. That Jesus was perfect. And what we're told here is that Jesus ultimately is going to be our judge and God is going to judge us up next to Jesus. Now the great thing about Jesus here is that we can receive Jesus and his righteousness, his goodness in our life if we have faith that he has died for us. If we have faith that we are acquitted for not doing our best. If we have faith that we don't have to be Mother Teresa, but rather we have to be just faithful to Jesus, it can, it can change our lives. It can, it can take a burden off of you. It can help you from being so judgmental from other people when you believe that God has given you Christ because he loves you. This is, what Paul wants them to see here is that you can't earn it but rather your relationship with Christ is anchored in grace and in Jesus and in his righteousness. And the reason we can know this, Paul says, is because that Jesus has risen from the dead. Now, um, we do our best to share this with people. We do our best to share that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Um, Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And this is what I want you to see as we do this. Here's something that we all need. We need patience and humility to, to accept the outcome of what we're sharing with people. Right? You need the patience and humility just to accept whatever outcome comes from it. Um, in verse 34, Now the people, when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. Not everybody, right, is going to come to know Christ, and some people it's going to take some time before they decide to follow Jesus. When I think about my own life, it took about a year, right, before I was ready to commit to Christ. It's taking a lifetime to figure out what it means to really follow him, right? Um, You have to be humble enough to say, you know what? If I'm, if I'm sharing Jesus with somebody, a, a lot of people, they probably aren't going to be ready to like, receive Christ at this moment right now with me. So you're going to need to be patient with them. And some people may want to hear more. They may want to sit down with you some more, uh, just like these people did with Paul here. Some left, said you're crazy. Some said, hey, let's hear more. So, Here's how I want to end this morning. Um, I just want to end uh, by asking those, maybe if there's anybody here, right, who's never confessed Jesus as Lord, uh, 
if, if you'd like to do that, right? Maybe some of you, you're, you are going through this life and you are just counting on like being good enough uh, to living up. You're, you're counting kind of on, on religion. Like as long as I do these things, like God will accept me. Uh, well, the truth is, right, we can't ever live up to the standard in which we're going to be held to, right? The only way to really have a relationship with God is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to ask him to come into your life and to change your heart and your mind and to give it over to him, to believe that he has died on the cross for your sin. Because you haven't been good enough, you're not good enough, nobody in this room is good enough. But God loves you enough and he has created you and created you and he has put you here for a reason. Like you are not here by mistake. You are here because maybe the Lord wants to call you by name to him. Uh, Paul puts it like this when we come to know the Lord in uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. So this morning, right, do you believe in your heart that God has uh, raised Jesus from the dead? Are you ready to confess that he is Lord? Others in the congregation right now, and this is probably just a majority of us, is that, right, you know the Lord, um, you're following the Lord, and you want others to know about the Lord. Uh, here in a moment, we're just going to pray. So why don't you pray over maybe those individuals uh, who have come into your, your mind that you know need to know the Lord. Um, why don't you ask God to give you the faith to speak to them? Uh, and uh, um, why don't we as a church pray for our church too, that we are a church that is a missionary church, that is a church that Paul would come into and say, hey, right? Like, I can see that you really want people to come to know the Lord. Let's pray. Hey, Father, we give you thanks today. We give you thanks for people like Paul, um, who you have saved by grace through his faith. We ask, uh, we ask that you give us hearts like Paul had to want to share Jesus' love with other people. We pray, Father, that you give us hearts like Paul, courage like Paul, the faith like Paul, to share Jesus with people who don't know him, to remind people that they are not a mistake, that they have been created um, by God and put here on earth for a reason. And that is to be in a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you remind us all that um, we don't earn God's love or relationship through our trying hard. But rather, Father, just because you're gracious and loving by nature. Father, I pray over every name that has come to our mind this morning that needs to know Christ. I pray that you use us to speak into those lives. Father, I pray for those this morning who maybe they've never confessed your son as Lord. Maybe they've decided they've never decided to follow you. Might they at this moment believe in their heart? Confess with their mouths Father, that Jesus is Lord, that you've raised him from the dead and give them the hope that they need to continue on.
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and sing um, one last song, and then after the song, we're going to take an offering. Um, or here, what, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take an offering. And um, then we're going to stand and, and sing this one last song. And so um, here's what I want you to do. If you came to know the Lord this morning for the first time, um, I want you to put on your connection card uh, and let us know about that. If after the offering plates pass, maybe there's somebody on your heart or mind that you're praying for this morning that, that you want to come to know the Lord um, and you want to pray for that person, you want to see yourself as a missionary, or maybe there's somebody you just want to invite to church um, and haven't done that yet and you want to come to the altar and do that as we, we sing this last song, um, I, I want to encourage you to do that. Let me pray for our offering as they come forward and uh, then we're going to sing this last song. Hey, Father, uh, we thank you for what you've given us. We pray, Father, that you increase our faith this morning. Um, our faith or our giving is an extension of our faith. We pray that what we give here goes to a church uh, that wants to reach out to those who don't know Jesus, a church that wants to be a part of Paul's ministry. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.